Amen. God's good. Amen. Praise God. How many glad you're alive today? So we'll start there. We can praise God for that, right? Praise God. Amen. Why don't you look at somebody, smile real big and say, sure, I'm glad you're here. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Good morning, church. Good to see everyone today. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Linda Wellman. I've been on staff here for 30-some years. And uh, I don't know about you, but I love my church. And my pastors, aren't you grateful for our pastors, guys? Aren't you grateful for them? Man, they've been here for 40 years, 40 years serving God faithfully. And I'm just, I'm so thankful to have been here for all the years that I've been here, because I don't know what life would be like without being here and hooked up in this church. It would be, I, it would be a lot different than what it's been, I know. So I'm very grateful for that. But today I get the honor of receiving your tithes and offerings this morning. And uh, I just want to look at a really familiar verse that I'm sure you probably all know, Malachi 3.10. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. So most of us probably know what the tithe is, but some of us probably, if you're new here, you may not know what that is. That means that you take the first 10% of your income, and that goes to the Lord. And really it's about, I think it's a heart issue. I mean, it, you know, it's a trust issue. It takes faith, right? It takes faith to believe that I'm going to give this much money and that God is going to take care of the rest, amen? Well, he gives us the 90%, but we, then we need to be good stewards of that 90% that he gives us as well. And so, um, but there are benefits. Guys, there are great benefits to tithing. And one of the benefits is that he's our provider, Right? He is our provider. It's not not the job that provides, but it's God. I mean, he's our provider. And I know uh, many years ago when my husband Gary worked at the at the hospital, and he would tell them when, when it was time they would do his review. You know, they always have a, I don't know, year, yearly review or whatever. And he would tell, tell, he would say to them, he said, it doesn't matter to me what you pay me because you're not my provider. And I, at the time I'd think, why are you telling him that? <laughs> you could use a raise, you know, that wouldn't be a bad thing. But that's what he would tell them, that you're not my provider. And that's the truth. God is our provider. And so when we trust him with our finances, we're really trusting him with our life. Because we give our life in order to get that money, right? We have to lay down our life in order to get that money. And so really, and I know the Bible talks about money. I don't know if it's the main thing or one of the main things it talks about a lot. It talks about money a lot, anyway. And so it's really important. It's really, really important what we do with our finances. Um, And I believe that in this year, 2021 coming up, more than ever, we're going to have to lean upon God. We need God, and we need our heart right. And and, uh, like I said, money is a big part of that. And so so anyway, um, and what kind of a a giver does God like? Hilarious, cheerful giver. Amen? Amen. And so, um, and, and the Bible says that he will make all grace abound to us when we are, when we are givers. And so, um, so let's just, I don't know if you've determined in your heart this morning what it is that you want to give. Uh, there are several ways that we can give. Uh, first of all, we can write out a check. Uh, to Destiny Church, and if you're if you're online and you our address is two seven eight seven one one hundred and fortieth Avenue, Ashby, Minnesota five six three zero nine. You can also text to give, and there's a number two one eight three one six six zero eight five, and that that'll if you go to text it'll help you to set that up, and then there's also um, uh, an app. You can download an app. It's called Give Plus Church, 
And there again, it will just walk you right through how to, how to set that up. Or you can, an offering envelope, the ushers have offering envelopes here. If you're giving cash and you want a receipt, um, one of these ushers will give you an envelope. And then even, and also on that envelope, there's a place to put down your credit card information or your debit card. And um, then, and that's obviously a private thing, but we, it go, I can take it and, and um, put down on there how much you want to give that way. So, so there are several ways in order to give. And so I just want to encourage you to give. Amen. So let's pray. Thank you, Father. Father God, I thank you, thank you, thank you that for this opportunity to give into your kingdom. I thank you, Father God, that you give seed to the sower. And I thank you for multiplying back every seed that's been sown here this morning, Father God. You said 40, 60, 100 fold. And so, Father God, we're believing you for, a, for an abundance, for abundance in this church and abundance for every family here and for every seed that's being sown today in Jesus' name. Okay, ushers, if you'd help me pass the ba bas baskets, buckets. And then one more thing, we have a communication card. And if you're new here, if we don't have your information, please fill one of these out for us. It's really good to get your email addresses. And also, it's really good to get your cell numbers because a lot of people I'm finding don't um, check out their emails anymore that much. And so if you give, me, give us your cell number, if we have to close because of a snowstorm, I will be texting you. So that's a, it's just a better way to communicate these days. So please, um, Dave will be back there at the table after the service this morning, and there's cards there to fill out. So if you would please get us your information, or if your information has changed, please get us updated. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. God's good. I like to say that a lot. God's good. I want to put that pressure in your mind. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me to Mark chapter 8. I titled this message, 2020 Vision. 2020 Vision. I told that to my wife. She goes, shouldn't you say 2021 Vision? I said, no, no, we're not done with 2020 yet. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take another whack at it. <laughs> and uh, so, but, um, you know, they say that hindsight is 2020. In other words, you look back, you can say, but I, I don't know about you, but maybe it's just me. When I look back on this year, it's still confusing. You know what I mean? It's still like, what happened? I keep wanting to call the title of my message, what the heck just happened? You know, I keep wanting to say that, but I don't want to use the heck word, but I, I know we're in church, but I, I keep thinking that. I don't know why. It's like, what is going on? I mean, it's like the craziest time to be alive. And I lived through the I was a young man during the you know, Vietnam protests, all that stuff. And uh, I still look at this, I go, this, I mean, it's one thing after another. And, um, and, and so it's so confusing. And, and that, that's one of the problems with um, knowing what to do or how to, how to interpret what's going on is when things are confusing. And that's what 2020 has been. And it's so funny to me that the, that it's the year 2020, which is a, a phrase that we use when we, when we talk about people having good eyesight. We say they have 2020 vision. And, it, and so we just went through 2020, and it's probably the most unclear time to be alive. You don't know what's going to happen next. And then they, you know, they have one strain of this thing. Now they got two strains of it. Now they got another. It's like, are you kidding me? Stop. You know, that's what you want to just say. Knock it off. And, um, and then we just went through a very uh, difficult political season. That's confusing. And, uh, and so uh, everybody's saying, are we going to make it through this week? You know, it's just like everything is up in the air. And so, but I, I want to talk to you about being able to see clearly. And I think that's a very important thing. You know, what matters most is not what everybody's saying, because there is a lot of people saying a lot of stuff. How many figured that out? In fact, I just kind of dis, I pulled the plug on it. I just, I was with everybody kind of listening to it all until finally I'm going, oh, 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 oh. I'm done. I'm done finally. I just pulled the plug. And I know you're looking at me like, well, you need to be informed. I was informed up to my eyeballs and, and uh, to the point where my wife and I were, and my wife and I, we get along great. We've been married 40, 
three years and uh, we've been uh, really happy and we're happy today. I'd rather be with my wife than any other person on earth. And so that's that says something after 43 years. You know, I go when I see her coming, I go, whoa, baby. I mean, we still make out. And it's pretty hot. And and so. <laughs> Cut. All right. Well, anyways, but I'm just saying that after 43 years, you know, it's the there's snow on the roof, but the fire is still there, buddy. I just want you to know that. I won't say any more of that. I'll stop right there. But anyways, um, but what was I saying now? Oh, so, but over, over some of these issues, there's still this contention. And, uh, and so we actually look at each other and go, well, I don't think we're going to talk about this anymore. <laughs> but, but my point is, it's been a very confusing time, but it's not confusing to God. How many know that's true? It's not confusing to God. And I believe that God wants us to know what's happening. He wants us to know what to do. That's more important is for us to know what to do, how to move forward. And so I guess I was thinking about a way uh, answering this question, like why has it been so confusing? And why does it seem like people, even people that we trust, they're trusted like prophetic type people have gotten it wrong. I mean, I mean, there was a guy that actually a year and a half ago, not this September, but a year, he prophesied that there would come a, a pandemic or a plague and it would affect the whole world. But he said that it would end at Passover. And I'm going, OK, we passed Passover and it ended yet. You know, and then some other people. And I know every I see your look on your face right now. You want to say something. But let me talk. OK. In fact, my wife will probably correct me after this is over. Now, you said that, that, you know, you got to. But it's just what I'm trying to say it's been very confusing. And um, and I think one thing that affects our ability to hear or to see clearly is or to see to see things issues clearly and to interpret issues clearly is if we don't have the right perspective or we don't have the right purpose. In other words, we don't have the right uh, objective in mind. We have more of an a temporary objective instead of an eternal one. Because God thinks in terms of eternal, eternal things, not in, in terms only of natural things. And God has an agenda and God has a purpose. How I many of that's true? He, he has that uh, on his mind. And oftentimes our purpose or our agenda is just temporal. We have this issue that we want to get see it taken care of so life can go back to normal. We want this pandemic to end so life can go back to normal or this to end so life can go back to normal. That's all we're thinking about. And he's thinking about something else. I'm not saying that he's not interested in this thing ending, but but a lot of times that's our focus. Our whole focus is what we're going to eat. Where are we going to live? What are we going to wear? As you can see, you know, I, I spend a lot of time on what we're going to wear, you know, but but I mean, that's a joke. I was sarcasm. But anyway, so yeah, somebody needs to help you. But, but my point is, is that that's our focus. You know, like we got a problem over here. We want this problem solved. We got a problem over here. We want this. And I'm not saying God is not interested in that. I'm just saying that we have to sometimes step back and begin to look at things from a heavenly or from an eternal perspective. Amen. I want you to look at Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 16. It says, now the disciples, they're crossing over the Sea of Galilee. And it says, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Now when their loaves were not like our loaves. It's not like, like a loaf. Their loaves were just big, a little bit bigger than a, than a dinner roll. Okay, So it's kind of a small, when you got 13 people, if you count 12 disciples and Jesus, you got to feed, you're just going to get a little piece of this. This is not enough for a meal. And so what it says here, they're crossing over and they've forgot to take bread. They only have one loaf, one dinner roll with them. And then all of a sudden Jesus speaks to them and says, he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they said, they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. Now look at that statement for a minute. He charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. How would you get from that statement you got, that he's rebuking them because they didn't take any bread? It doesn't even make sense. 
They're going, they're, they're talking to each other. He goes, oh no, we only got a dinner roll with us. We, we don't have very much, we don't have very much food here. We don't have very much bread. And then Jesus, and, and so they're, they're discussing that. Did you, you got any bread? No, we didn't take it. We didn't, what, how, you, what do you got? I got this little dinner roll here. That's all we got. That's all we got? Who, what were you thinking? We can't go into a desert place and have just this little piece of bread. Oh man, I can't believe it. We're going to probably starve out here. You know, we might have, we might actually miss a meal. You know what they say about guys? There's only three things they think about. And one of them's food, and I won't tell you the other two, but, but one of them's food. That's the second reference to, but anyway, so, but uh, they're going, what are we going to eat? So he goes, so they're thinking about food. Their whole focus is we might miss a meal out here. We might go hungry. That's their whole focus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, right in the middle of this whole, they're discussing among themselves. They're, they're arguing at this point. Right in the middle of that, Jesus says, take heed, beware of the leaven. Leaven is yeast, by the way. Yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. And they go, it's because we didn't take any bread. And so when I look at that, I go, how did they get that he was talking about bread, other than the fact that that he does use the term yeast, and some bread has yeast in it. But other than that, how do you get from what Jesus said, how do you interpret that into, it's because we didn't take any bread? It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't, they don't even make a, there's no connection there. So they actually heard Jesus say this, but the way they interpreted it was so wrong because what they were thinking about was, we don't have any bread. And how many know that Jesus wasn't thinking about, you don't have any bread? In fact, if you keep reading there, and I didn't put this up there, but he keeps reading there, he goes, why? He discerns that they're talking about, we don't have any bread. And so he goes, when I fed the 5,000, how many loaves did you have? How many, how many basketfuls did you have left over? They said 12. When I fed the 4,000, how many basket loaves? He, they said seven. And so what is your problem? It's not bread. I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about the teachings of the Pharisees and the teachings of Herod. And what, what, what that basically is, is the teachings of the Pharisees was legalism. They would add things to the scriptures. They would add it just like you add yeast to flour, add yeast to dough, and it, it changes the, the, the structure of the dough. It, it blows it up. It makes it, we, we would say, more appealing, but, but it changes the, the, the structure or the texture of the dough, and it blows it up and distorts it. And he's saying just like yeast when it goes into dough, it distorts it. Their teaching distorts the word of God. It makes it ineffective. So on the one side, it's legalism. That was the, that was the, uh, the Pharisees. That was their yeast. And the other side, Herod's, was liberalism. Liberalism. You know, it's, it's taking the supernatural out of the Bible and trying to explain away miracles. You know, I one time I read this story or this guy, he was... He was a liberal. He was he was a liberal when it came to interpreting scripture. And he said he was talking about how the the miracles of the Bible, he tried to explain them all away. Like he was talking about, you know, like Sodom and Gomorrah, how it rained down. Well, he said there's an active volcano there and it just happened to go off at that particular time. And then he was talking about how they crossed over the Red Sea and and how, you know, they, you know, they, it was the Red Sea. It was a dry season that time. And the Red Sea wasn't, it was a sea. It wasn't a river. It was a sea. The Red Sea was actually not very deep at that time. And so they could walk through. But what he forgot to think about was the fact that the whole army drowned. And, you know, just, so that's even a bigger mirror. But he was taking the supernatural out of the Bible. And that is the leaven. That's the leaven of Herod took the supernatural out of the Bible. And so Jesus said here, he goes, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which added stuff to the scriptures, added traditions. That's why, you know, I, I tried this my, my best. I'm not saying I'm, I'm 100% successful, but I just don't want to practice something that's not in the scripture. Remember years ago, and I'm not trying to be offensive when I say this, but years ago, you know, I, you know we, we had this big confrontation over infant baptism. Now, I don't really, if you want to baptize your infant, it doesn't offend me even a little bit. That's up to you. And I'm not the boss. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just working for the boss. You know what I mean? You know, that's all. 
But if you're going to ask me to do something that's not in the Bible, I'm not going to do it. Amen. Preach, Steve. I believe I will. Because one of the things the Bible says that in the last days, the one thing the Bible gives is that people are going to be deceived. And so I just figure this, if I stay with the scripture, because history is not inspired, scripture is inspired. History is not inspired. There's inspiring moments in history, but it's not inspired. But the Bible is inspired. And so I figure if I stay with the Bible, I'm staying with something that's inspired. And so that's what Jesus is basically saying. He's saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is legalism. And they added their traditions, all their traditions, all the things that they were passed down from the fathers. They added that to the scripture. He said, beware of that. And then he said, beware of the leaven of Herod, which is liberalism, taking the supernatural out of the scriptures. So beware of those two things, those two extremes. And so it had nothing to do with the fact that they took no bread. But how many can see this? How many can see that they, their focus is bread? What are we going to eat? And so when Jesus speaks, they take what Jesus said totally on a different page. They thought Jesus was on the same page as they were. He wasn't on that page. He was on a totally different page. And they took what Jesus said and they put it into their focus and they said, it's because we might miss a meal here. That's why Jesus said that. How many see what I'm saying? So actually your focus, if you want to hear right, if you want to see clearly, your focus has to be right. You've got to understand some things about how, how, what's, what's God trying to accomplish, what's God trying to do. And we sometimes think that all God's trying to do is make us comfortable. Come on, help me out here. That's... We know that's not true, right? You know, there's this verse, I hate this. I don't hate it, but I, it just kind of grinds on me a little bit. You know, it's where it says in Peter, it says, it, it's, it talks about you're going through difficulties or trials. And it says, if need be, now you're being, you know, stressed out by some trials. It says, if need be. And I looked that up. I thought, well, maybe the translator just kind of threw that in. And that wasn't really in the Greek. So I looked in a Greek concordance. It's there. It says, if necessary, I say, why would it be necessary? I don't see why I'm as perfect as a person can get. Why would it be necessary to have some stuff beat out of me? I don't get that part of it. But sometimes going through stuff is necessary. Sometimes going through stuff is necessary. I remember, you know, years ago, I heard this story or this example. They they they. They were trying to create a perfect environment for plants to grow in. And so they, they created this arbor, arborarium. Is that how you say that word? Arbor, okay, that, what did it say again? Oh, okay, they created this dome-like thing that was absolutely perfect. They watered it at every moment. They fertilized all the plants in there. And these things, these plants just flourished. It was awesome. It was amazing. <coughs> Excuse me. These trees would grow up and it was awesome. It was one. But, you know, they found out when the trees got high enough, they would fall over. Because they realized that with no adversity, now listen to this, with no adversity, the roots didn't develop. The roots were little puny little things because they didn't have to struggle to find moisture. They didn't have to struggle to find nutrients, nutritions. They didn't have to struggle to find anything. And so, so they basically were right on top of the ground. And so any little thing, they get up there and all of a sudden they just fall over. And God doesn't want that about you to get up this high and then just fall over. He wants you to be a tough little rascal. <laughs> Amen? Walking around like you said, a little spiritually. I mean, I mean, outside you're sweet as pie. But inside you're a tough little rascal. It's a bulldog. Spiritually, you're just a bulldog for Jesus. You know, you're, you don't you don't quit. You don't give up. You don't back down. You don't compromise. You don't go the wrong way. You go against the current. Like my dad used to say, you fight the current. You flow against the current. You're a fighter. You're not a wimp. Amen. I don't even know what I'm saying now. But see, there's sometimes there's some things that come into our life that we need it. We need, some, we need some adversity. I don't like to hear that myself, but we need some adversity. 
And so what happens is, what was happening in this situation was they, their perspective was, well, what's very important, because to a guy, what's very important is food. It's very important, very important thing. In fact, you know, marriage counseling for me is pretty easy. If a guy comes in and says, yeah, we're having a marriage problem, I know it's one of three things. <laughs> it's not like 10 things, it's not 20 things, it's one of three things. And even if they deny that it's one of three things, I know it's one of three things. You're not getting fed, are you? You're, she's not feeding you, is she? Right? But what I'm trying to say is, I'm not even sure. But, uh, but what their focus was, what their focus was, was this. What God's focus was, was this. What Jesus was talking about, what he was concerned about, what was on his heart was the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He goes, I'm very concerned about this because it creates mixture, just like, just like yeast creates mixture in a, in a loaf of dough. Leaven creates mixture in, in, in the teachings and it blows it up and it makes it ineffective. And I'm very concerned about that. And they're going, we might miss a meal here. It looks like we didn't bring any bread. He's going, that's nothing. That's not a big, then he had to correct them. That's not a big deal. What's a big deal is this mixture in the teaching. That's a big deal. And so you have to get on the same page as God. You know, the Bible, one of the Beatitudes, one of the Beatitudes, chapter, Matthew chapter five, it says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. And that means, a heart that's undivided, a heart that's fully devoted to Jesus. Blessed is that person that has that kind of heart. It doesn't mean a person that has never sinned or doesn't have any sin. It doesn't mean that because then none of us would qualify. But he's, he's talking about blessed are those whose hearts are pure in the eyes of God. They're focused. They're single. They're, they're, they're uh, fo I'll say focused again. I can't think of another word. Focused. And so, uh, and they have a flint-like, perspective. They're looking at the things of God. Blessed is that person. Why? Because they'll see God working. They'll be able to discern uh, the voice of God. They'll be able to see when God's at work. And so because we perceive and we see with our spirit when it comes to spiritual things, we perceive spiritual things. We know things spiritually with, with our spirit or with our heart. And that's why our heart has to be pure. If our heart is not pure, if it's contaminated or defiled, we don't see clearly. We can be easily led astray. And so that's why it's so important for us to see clearly. And so then what happens is, what goes on next is, I want you to jump down to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. So it seems like Mark is talking about this, this whole thing about seeing clearly but being able to have a clear perspective, seeing God at work. And then he's he actually gives a story of a blind man. In Mark chapter 8, in verses 22 through 26, it says, He came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, just get that picture in your mind. The guy's going, okay, what's going on here? I'm going somewhere, but I'm not sure where I'm going. I said, thanks a lot. You know what I mean? He spits on his eyes, puts his hands on him, asks him if he saw anything. He looked up and said, I see men <coughs> like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again, made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into this town, nor tell anyone in the town. I like this story because this man, of course, his sight was recovered, which is awesome. But there's so many things about this story that I think we can relate to. First of all, it says, He came to Bethsaida. Now, Bethsaida was a town that in other places Jesus said the word woe to it. Remember, there's certain towns he said, woe unto you, Bethsaida. Woe unto you. And he, several towns he would say, woe. When Jesus says woe about you, that's not good. When he goes, woe, that means woe. That's, that's not like holding your horse back. I mean, that, woe is like woe. You're, you woe. 
bad. This is bad news. So Bethsaida was one of those towns that Jesus said, whoa, about. And so what happened was he comes to this town and it says that there are some friends of this blind man. It's always good to have some friends, isn't it? It's always good to have some people that will bring you to Jesus. There's always some people that are concerned about your soul. They're concerned about you and they'll bring you to Jesus. And so this blind man had some friends and they brought they brought their friends this, their friends brought this blind man to Jesus. And then they, it says this. It says that they encouraged Jesus to heal him. Encourage Jesus. And so I look at that as like being, having somebody praying for you. It's wonderful to have people pray for you. How many know that's true? If you want to pray for me, go right ahead. I, I encourage it. I exhort you to do so. Please pray for me. Some people think, well, I'm too important to be prayed for. No, pray for me. I, I really need it. I enjoy it. And so it's important to have some people that care enough about you that they'll bring you before Jesus. Either literally they'll bring you to church or bring you uh, to a prayer meeting or they'll bring your name before the throne of God. They'll call your name out before the throne of God. I like to say that sometimes. I like to say, Lord, I just pray here for Sam Secret. I just pray. I call his name out before the throne and I just start praying for him. And so it's important to have people that will pray, bring you to Jesus and that will beseech Jesus. Do something for this person. Heal him. Straighten him out. Kick him in the hind. You know, whatever. You know, God, get a hold of him. Do something for him, Jesus. That's, that's powerful. So this blind man had friends. He can't see where he's going, but he has some friends that bring him to Jesus, and they say, they're insistent. They say, Jesus, heal him. He needs help. He needs something. And so Jesus, what's so funny is that Jesus doesn't pray for him right there. He doesn't lay his hand on him. He doesn't start praying. He grabs him by the hand and he starts walking him out of the city. I don't know how long that took, but he starts walking him out of the city. In fact, if you look up the word, it says he took him by the hand. If you look up that word, it's a very strong word. It doesn't mean that he grabbed his hand Gently and just said, let me lead you out of the city. The word in the Greek is actually he grabbed him. Grabbed him by the hand. Seized him. I like that part. I like it when God gets a hold of people. He seizes them. I remember was one time I heard of this, this preacher. And he had a daughter that was wayward. And, her, and the daughter started, you know, um, dancing and stuff in these bars and honky tonks. And uh, and so and 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 they, and she knew that it drove her father crazy because he was a preacher. And uh, and so finally, one night, uh, one night, the friends all came over and they said, hey, you ought to come and see your daughter dance in the in the honky tonks. She does the funky chicken really good. I don't know what the funky chicken is, but the funky chicken really good. And he looked at her friend and said, God's going to funky her chicken. <laughs> and you know what happened? One night she was on her way to do the funky chicken and God funkied her chicken. God seized her. God got a hold of her. Isn't that powerful? And so it says that after they brought this blind man to Jesus, Jesus seized him and Jesus began to walk him out of the city. You know, there's a process a lot of times that goes into a miracle. There's a process a lot of times that go into a miracle. There are steps that have to be taken. There's a journey. You know, God doesn't want to just bail us out every time we have trouble. God wants to do a work. He, he wants to work something out in our lives. He wants to do something in us. He wants to train us. He wants to accomplish his will, his purpose. He wants his character to come through our lives. And so sometimes... As when he seizes us, that's a powerful moment. And then he starts walking us toward our miracle. He starts walking us toward the answer. But each step is a process. There's a process that is being that's taking place right here. God is going, I'm walking you toward that. And we're going, why are you walking us? Come on, I need my eyes open. I don't want to go any further. I want my eyes open. I want this need met. No, I'm going to take you through a process. I'm going to take you. I'm going to walk you into my purposes. I'm going to, you're going to be different. When I'm done with you, you're going to be different. And, and it's not that he hasn't heard our prayers. I believe that when we pray something according to God's will, I believe he hears us. 
I actually believe that. I believe what he's, he's working on the situation. And so he starts walking him out of the city. I think that's important because, you know, a lot of times if we, if we want to we, we wanna stay the same, we want to stay in the same place mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We don't want any change to come. We just want to stay the same, but we want a miracle. And God goes, no, 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 you can't stay here and get a miracle. I got to walk you out of here. And so step by step, we're going to walk you out of this place and bring you to a place where I can do my will and my purposes in your life. It's not that God is not, did not hear you. I mean, he might have, he might have been going, well, I don't know what's, you know, the blind, because he can't see nothing. You can probably figure he's trying, trying to figure out what's going on here. Why, I thought I thought I'm going to get prayed for here. I thought I was going to get my miracle. What's going on here? What are we? What's this grabbing my hand? I mean, just grab me by the hand and start jerking me. And I'm going. I'm walking along here. I don't know where we're going. I mean, I like this town. I like the place I'm at. I like to think these thoughts. I like this place spiritually. I like it. I'm comfortable here. I like it here. It's nice and cozy. It's nice and sweet here. Why are you taking me out of this place? <clears throat> and I'm gonna, I'm, he's going to take you to a place where it's going to be uncomfortable. A place where, you, where you're going to grow. You know, I, I just read a book. Actually, it's a, uh, what do you call that, audible book by the, the Navy SEAL that killed Osama bin Laden. It's called The Operators. Powerful book. But he talks about all the training they had to go through. And they just basically tried to kill you for about eight months. They just basically, they starved you. They, um, they, they froze you. They beat you up. They, I mean, basically just did everything you can imagine. And, and, and there's only a, like 20% of the guys that sign up that make it. But, and you wonder, why am I going through all this? But then when, you put you, when they put you on the battlefield, and you're in these incredibly intense situations, he was thankful because he goes, nothing ever works out the way you think it will. You know, it's just like you hear, what you hear about is, and, and you come to Jesus, and when you receive Jesus, everything is going to be <laughs> wonderful. Everybody's going <laughs> to like you. And they'll never say anything to hurt your feelings. It's just going to be glorious. And your money's going to be on your doorpost, every, doorstep every morning. Your car is going to work great all the time. Everybody's going to tiptoe around you and just do everything you ask. It's going to be wonderful. Then you go, what happened? It never works out. There's always challenges. I remember... You know, the, the, probably the best way I, I, when I listened to this guy when he was talking, because the night that they, tr they went to kill Osama bin Laden, one of the helicopters crashed. And, 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 but they had trained for all that, so it didn't even phase them. They just continued their mission. But I remember one time, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, I played high school football. And, and we were living in California, and they were pretty fanatical about football. You know, like in Ashby, I told my kids this. In Ashby, if you're walking down the street, they go, you want to play? You can play. You can make the team. But we had to make the team. I and mean, we got, they had two cut days. And so you'd go up, to your, go up to the list to see if your name was on there. If your name's on there, you're out of here. And they did that twice. So it was kind of more competition. But they would, and then they were very fanatical about drills. You know, you do all these drills and they do all these practices. And then, you know, you so I was, I played the line, and so I'm supposed to do this. And so we do it in drills, and it's just simple. It's just, oh, this is simple. Well, then when you go actually into the game, they, they don't do what we did in drills. I mean, they, you know, they don't do, you know, all of a sudden, well, you weren't supposed to do that. You know, you're, you're you know, and, and, and then the coach is yelling at you. What's wrong with you? Well, he didn't do what we did, you know, when we practiced it. And that's kind of how life is. It, you go, oh, and then Jesus will do this and all these great things and wonderful things. And all of a sudden, surprise, surprise. But that's where trust is developed. I'm going to try. I don't understand this, Lord, right now. I can't figure this out. I don't know if you've ever been there where I can't figure this out. 
How did this happen? I tried to do the right thing. How did this happen? But that's where trust is developed. But one thing for sure, I'm going to trust you. I don't know what to do, but, but I'm going to put my eyes on you and I'm going to trust you. That's a good place to be, isn't it? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you in this situation. And so this blind man, he's following, he's being led by Jesus. He's going outside the city. And then he brings him out there and he spits on him. Now, any way you look at it, spitting on somebody is not a, a, a compliment. I mean, it's not like, hey, thanks. You know, <clears throat> I know there's a movie. There's a movie. I, I don't want to tell you that I watched this movie, but it was um, Ace Ventura. And, oh, you watched it too, huh? Now, I know there's some of you going, I don't know what you're talking about. I only watch Christian movies. But anyways, Ace Ventura. It's almost a Christian movie. But anyways, kind of. But they got this scene where he's in this jungle with this tribe. And, and one of the things that the tribe does when they compliment people, they spit on them. Do you remember that? How many remember that scene? Yeah, and so... You, so so they're spitting on each other. Bigger. Anyways, but, so, but really, in real life, spitting on you is not a good thing. And I thought to myself, why, why did Jesus spit on the guy? But it doesn't say he spit on him. It says he spit on his eyes. And the only thing I because spitting on somebody is, is an act of contempt. If somebody spits on you, that means they have contempt for you. And he didn't spit on the guy. He spit on the guy's eyes. And I just think to myself, he had contempt for blindness. So I, I, de, I detest blindness. I detest every aspect of it. I hate what it does to people. That's the only thing I can understand by it, is that he hated blindness so much that he goes, I hate this blindness. And then he laid his hands on the man and he prayed. And he said, what do you see? And he goes, I see men like trees walking. Now everybody goes, you know, well, he didn't get totally healed. He's got partial sight back. But I think to myself, I think he got his spiritual sight. Because in the Bible, the Bible likens us spiritually as trees. In Psalms chapter 1, it says, you meditate in the scriptures, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that gives your fruit in its season. Its leaf should not wither. Whatever he does, he'll prosper. It says that in Psalms chapter 1. So I think what he first saw, God opened up his spiritual sight. Do you know what? That God is more interested in opening up your spiritual sight than your physical sight. He's more interested in what happens to you spiritually. In fact, what happens to you naturally usually comes after something happens to you spiritually. I always tell people that, that the, the word will not affect your circumstances until it affects you. It won't move your circumstances until it moves you. And so the first thing that he did was he laid his hands on him and said, what do you see? He said, I see men. My spirit, I'm starting to see. I'm starting to see some stuff here. Hey, uh, Jesus, I'm starting to see some things here. I don't know what it is, but I'm starting to see some things here. And then it says he laid his hands on him again, and he saw all men clearly. My point is this, is that God wants to do a work in our lives, but he, we go through a process where blindness is taken off of us. Amen? And, and this process is so important for us to embrace because there's always a God side and a man side to real change. See, what I want and what you want, I assume, is I want to sit on the sofa and just chill. And just chill, and I want God to do all this stuff. And you know, God sometimes just he shows up and he just does stuff. You know, you hear testimonies about that. and You go, wow, that's powerful. That's amazing. But usually what happens is, oh, we're going to change this situation. You can count on that, but we're going to change you in the process. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a manward side of this thing. And, and you're going to be you're going to get some stuff worked out in you. The character of Christ is going to get worked out in you before this whole situation turns around. There's a Godward side and there's a manward side to real to real change. You see, what happens is sometimes, not all the time, sometimes the situations that we get ourselves in, sometimes it's self-inflicted. 
In other words, if, you, if somebody financially is in a mess, and if you bail them out, if they don't change something, they're going to be in a mess again. Something's got to change. Otherwise, you're going to be back in this mess. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 19. It says, a man of great wrath will suffer punishment. For if you rescue him, you'll have to rescue him again. So in other words, don't rescue him. Let, let, the, let the consequences of his wrath fall upon him. Otherwise, what you'll do is you just keep rescuing him. Sometimes you, and I think God thinks that way because, I mean, he wrote it. So I think he believes what he writes, right? And so he doesn't want to just bail us out. He wants to change us. And so as the worship team comes, as we bring this message to a close. So <clears throat> we, have to get, we have to get on God's, God's agenda here. And sometimes when we're in trouble, we're not really on God's agenda. Are we? Uh, there's uh, three murmurs. So we're not always on God's agenda, are we? <laughs> not owning up to this right now. There might be an altar call, and I'm not going up there. But. <laughs> Amen. Here, here's the thing about focus. See, our focus determines our ability to see which kind of seems like a kind of repetitious, but our focus determines our ability to hear from God. When we're, when we're focused, Lord, that's why I think spending time with God in the morning every day is so important, is I get my focus back on Him and on His Word, and I want to hear, I want to see clearly. Because the truth is that our life goes in the direction of our dominant thoughts. And you can see this in the life of David, that David continually readjusted his focus so he could hear from God. Let's all stand together. So we're going to sing a song. And, um, and I want you just to take a few moments as we sing this song, no matter what kind of song it is, just, just readjust your focus this morning and just say, Lord... My eyes are on you. You know, there's an Old Testament verse where the children of Israel were being invaded by five enemy armies. And Jehoshaphat called all the people together. And I love their prayer. He said, all these enemies are coming against us. And he goes, we're not able to fight this great horde of people. He goes, we don't know what to do. We don't, ever been there? We don't know what to do but our eyes are on you. Isn't that powerful? Our eyes are on you. We're waiting, Lord. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God told them to begin to worship, praise. So you might be in a place right now where I don't know what to do. My situation is so tumultuous, which probably in, in our situation in America today, you might feel that. There's a lot of, is that a, is that a word? That's a word, right? Tumultuous. <clears throat> a lot of tumultuous. I can hear it. I just can't say it. But you might feel that. You might be feeling the tension or you might be feeling the, the unsettledness, the uneasiness. But here's the answer. Our eyes are on you. In other words, we have a heavenly perspective. And when God speaks and says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, I'm not going to go, oh, it's because of this thing. I'm going to say, no, no, it's God's talking to me about what is, what is near and dear to his heart. And, and what this issue that I have that needs to be met, God's going to, through a process, he's going to bring me along. And I'm going to be able to go through this and come out on the other side. Amen. Because let me say this to you. God is concerned about you. He's interested in you. He's more concerned about you, more interested in you than any living person on this earth. He cares about you. And we do anything for you. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this song. Just as we do, let's readjust our focus, would you? Amen. 
Praise God. Praise God. You know, I was thinking about that blind man when Jesus grabbed him. And every step he took, I don't know if that blind man knew what was going on because he couldn't see. But every step he took, he was, he was being led closer and closer to his breakthrough. Every step. Every step. And the truth is, sometimes we want instant, like instant stuff. Right away. Instant. And a lot of times there's a process that you go through. But just know this, that as, you, as you're obedient and you take a step, know that you're getting one step closer to your breakthrough. Amen. This morning, if you engaged and entered into worship and praise, I just want you to know that you took one step closer to your breakthrough. You, you say, I can't see a thing. I don't see nothing. Guess what? That blind man couldn't see either. All he knew is he's moving. Somebody's got a hold of him. Somebody's moving him closer to something. I don't know what's going on here. Thought I was going to get my, I thought I was going to get my miracle. You're just, you're on, you're on your journey. You're on your way to a breakthrough. Amen. Life's going to be different for you. We want you to be prayed for today. So the ushers or the counselors could please come forward. And uh, so if you have a prayer request or have a need, uh, we just want you to be, uh, receive prayer before you go today. And, um, uh, and so we just believe that 2020 is going to be a great year, right? 2021. <laughs> I, you know, I heard one guy say, well, it's got to be better than 2020. It couldn't get any worse. But how many know it could get worse? But, but we're not believing for that, right? <laughs> yeah. I got the... <laughs> Wrong thing to say, dummy. But anyway, but we're believing for great things this year. Amen. Let's all pray together and believe. But I just felt like God gave me this message about seeing and about walking step by step towards your miracle. Amen. And not, loot, not getting lost in the process because there is a process. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, we just thank you for your people today. Just pray, God, that you'll Continue to give them revelation along this line. Thank you, Lord. They're your people. They're in your hands and you care about them. And Lord, I just pray a blessing on them now as they go. That you will, I know you're with them, but that you'll just keep speaking to them, keep encouraging them. And Lord, that their days will be pleasant, days of heaven on earth. We just thank you for that now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I just want to make one more announcement. Down the hallway toward the kids' area, there's a table down there with a bunch of books. They're used books. And if you want one, you can have it. They're free. Just take as many as you want, add to your library. They're, most of them are Christian books. I, I did see one that had Elvis or something on there. Just, just put a... Oh, you took that one? Okay. I, I thought maybe you could just make a sign of the cross and just keep going. Or whatever. God bless you, everybody. You're free to go home. If you need prayer, please come forward.